Amen. I want to pray one more time just for the for the word for this morning, and like uh, Fed was mentioning in Sunday school, that uh, that we would really come and redeem the time. We wouldn't waste the time, and we would wake up. And part of that waking up is waking up unto God, waking up unto the the Word of God and the things that God wants to speak to us. I promise you this morning, God wants to speak to you. I promise you. You say, well, I'm just little old me sitting in the pew, passing some time. God wants to speak to you. He wants to change your life. He wants to get a hold of your life in every way, you personally, this morning. And so, Father, we pray, we, we just avail ourselves to you, God. We yield. We, we allow you to work in our lives, God. We're not going to resist you. We're not going to resist the Holy Ghost. We're not going to grieve the Spirit or quench the Spirit. God, we are going to be attentive to what you have to say to us this morning in this house. God, speak to our hearts. Change us and help us, God. Show us Jesus in this place this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can open your Bibles if you would. Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 20. I have one simple thought for this morning. Acts chapter 20, let's look at verse 35, specifically that last phrase of verse 35. I'll read it. I have showed you all, Paul says, all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the word of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. That is a teaching from the word of God. That is scriptural, that is biblical, that is a eternal truth that God has laid out for us. When and where Jesus actually said that is not known, but we know he did say it because it tells us right here, Paul says, as our Lord Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. That is a blessing. We're at Christmas time. It's right here on it. I've said we're right here at it. I've said before, I'm sure you're like me, it's, it's my favorite time of the year. I like the weather a little cooler, but, you know, it is, I love Christmas time. I love everything about it. And we, the, the, the thought is so often is I want to make my Christmas list of what I want, you know. When you're a little kid, it's what you want. And sometimes we grow up and it's the same things. It's what I want to receive. But the Bible tells us it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so we're just going to talk about this this morning, how contrary that thought is to man, to just carnal human beings. It's more blessed to give than to receive. We, it's contrary to our nature. Outside of Christ, it's contrary to our nature. It's contrary to our mindset. It's contrary to our way of life and our practice. It's contrary to the human nature, to that child of Adam, to that fallen nature, but it's not contrary to the new nature. It's absolutely right dead on with the new nature. And the Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And so we as believers, we know, we know Jesus said it. The Bible tells us we know that it's biblical. We know it's correct, that it's more blessed to give than to receive. We know it's Christian. But I'm just going to ask a question similar to what Fed asked in Sunday school this morning. 
uh, we, we know that the Lord's coming, for example, but in the parable that he taught about with the ten virgins, there was five, five wise and five foolish, and the reason the wise were wise is because they were preparing to meet the Lord when he came. They were getting ready. They weren't sleeping. The reason the five foolish were foolish is they knew that the wedding was going to take place. They knew the bridegroom was coming. They weren't ignorant of any, any of these things, but they got distracted or careless or negligent and were not prepared when that time actually came. And so the, the question is, is that our practice? Are we, are we to, to reference back to Sunday school, are we living awake? Are we living wide open, spiritually awake? Okay? And it's part of, part of what we're doing when we gather together on Sunday mornings and all the time we gather is to wake up. Okay, to wake up, to be prepared. It's a constant reminder because we need constant reminding. Amen? And we need constant reminding of this. We know that to, it's more blessed to give than to receive, but is that actually my heart? Is that actually my manner of life? Because God's Word teaches us that it's the giver in the life that gives that is the blessed life. The giver in the giving life. It's not the life that's focused on receiving, on taking, and on having others give to them, on getting, on accumulating, etc. It's not that life that's blessed. The Bible says, give, Jesus said, given it shall be given unto you. Right? Luke chapter 6, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. That, that to me is that if we give, God's going to cause men to give up to us, not even counting what he himself gives. He's going to cause men to give to us and so to be a life of giving. So what does it mean it's more blessed to give than to receive? Blessed means, it's a word common all through the Bible, and it actually means well-off, fortunate, happy. And part of the definition is supremely blessed. So blessed is like supremely blessed. It's more blessed to give than to receive. That's the same word, by the way, that's found like in the Beatitudes. That blessed are, are the poor in spirit, for theirs is what? The kingdom of, of heaven. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. So the blessedness is the one who's giving. So it's the blessed life is the one that may not look like on the surface uh, that they're being blessed a lot of times, poor in spirit, you know, or the meek or things like this, or men, when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you for my name's sake. Uh, he says that's a blessed life because they did that to the prophets, my prophets. Well, those prophets are blessed right now, amen? They were blessed on this life, on this earth, and they're supremely blessed with the Lord in heaven today and the rewards that he has given them are going to give them at that day. Same word blessed, fortunate, well off. When the Bible says, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sins. Is that not us? Is that not us under the blood of Jesus? Is that not us as believers that we're blessed? You think, well, so-and-so has more than me. Well, somebody's always going to have more than you in this life. But nobody can take away Christ from you and what you have in Jesus. And if they don't have Christ, then you have infinitely more, immeasurably more than they have. Don't compare yourselves with other people. Look at Jesus and be thankful. 
Look at Jesus and be thankful. Your sins are forgiven. The Lord does not impute your transgressions and iniquities to you. That's a legal term. He doesn't hold it to your account. You're legally, he has wiped the slate clean. And legally, when he looks at your life, he doesn't see those sins as being on your account anymore. Because the blood of his son Jesus has washed them away. And your faith in Jesus Christ has made you whole. Amen. And forgiven. That's a blessed life. But all through the scriptures, we see the contrast. Don't we? All through Old Testament, New Testament, we see the contrast between the life that's blessed by God and the life that's not. I would say the blessed and the unblessed. See, David's life, though he sinned, he was blessed by the Lord because he trusted God. Saul, King Saul, though uh, his life, he was king as well, but his life was not blessed because he wasn't blessed by the Lord. We see it all through the Bible. We see, uh, we see Abel and Cain. I mean, you can look all through the Bible and God gives us this life is blessed by the Lord. This neighbor right next to him or their, their contemporary is not blessed. And it's a question of faith in living for the Lord. We see it all through the scriptures. And God is admonishing us all through the Bible. And in the scripture we open with in Acts, he is admonishing you and me to live the blessed life, to be blessed. You want to be blessed. Who doesn't? Who doesn't want to be well-off, fortunate, happy, super blessed? Everybody wants to be. He's telling us how to. This is just in measure, okay? Just in measure. He wants people to come to Jesus and be saved. And receive the blessings that come through this life in Christ. There are blessings. Far too many to mention in this one sermon this morning. But God is admonishing his people to come and live the blessed life. Okay? He wants it for you. That's how kind he is. He wants you to have the blessed life. It's not like he doesn't care and say, well, they can do what they want. Now, why is the life of giving? It's, it, the Lord Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Why is that the case? Why is the giving life and the individual giver more blessed than the one who doesn't give or more blessed than the one who's only concerned about getting and receiving as opposed to giving? Why is that? And I think plain and simply because that is the heart of God. That is the heart of God. He is a giver. That's the very nature of the Lord. That is the very nature of our Lord and Savior, that he is a giver. Okay, D quoted the scripture during praise, um, the praise this, this morning that God so loved the world that he gave, right? He gave his only begotten son. And that is the essence of the Lord. He, he came to seek and save the lost. What did he want to give to men? He came not to get from men. He came, only thing he wanted to take from us is our sin. He came to give the gift of eternal life. He came to give that to people, and they would not, for the most part. He's trying to, can't, can't give it away, so to speak. He can't, he's trying to give eternal life to people, and dying a painful death on the cross for no fault or guilt of his own, or wrongdoing of his own, to give. He wants men to have eternal life. He says, I'm that bread of heaven which came down from heaven. It's just a gift from heaven. I'm that bread. I'm that manna. And he says, of which if a man eats, he'll never die. That's me. I'm the bread of life. And they would not. Okay? They would not for the most part. But this, the reason that the, the, it's more blessed to give than to receive in God's estimation 
which is the only estimation that matters, amen, is because that is the heart of our Lord and Savior. He came to seek and save men and give eternal life. Our Lord has a heart to give, and he has given to undeserving men. We don't give in, in the Lord's way. We don't give in order to get back. I'm going to pat you on, the, on your back. You, you know, I'll pat your back. You pat mine. I'll scratch your back. You scratch mine kind of thing. That's the way the world operates. And as long as there's something back to them, they'll be your friend, your buddy, your business partner, whatever. As long as that benefit to them stops, they stop giving. Well, it wasn't really giving. It was renting. You know, it was, it was purchasing. It was uh, whatever. It was hoping for something in return. But that's not the heart of the Lord. The heart of the Lord is to give, expecting nothing in return. And when we're freed up to give like that, we can never be disappointed, right? When we're freed up to give like that, expecting nothing in return. He, the Lord Jesus came of, of all. He's the, the prime uh, example to give and to be the, uh, the benefactor, so to speak. And we're the beneficiaries just simply to give, to bestow, to bless men and bless men's lives through Christ that are unworthy and undeserving. And all of it redounds back to the glory of the Lord. When he pours out a blessing on our lives and we realize it came from him, whether it's our health, our salvation, his mercy, the forgiveness of sins, a financial blessing, a job, a spouse, uh, whatever it may be, joy in our hearts, peace in our minds, finally, you know, once it, when it comes from the Lord and we receive it, it's able to go back to the Lord for his glory. We're extremely and supremely blessed by it, but it redounds to the glory of God. That is not, that's God's heart and God's attribute, I would say. One of the attributes of the Lord would have to be that he's a giver. He's a giver and he gives and he does it with joy and he does it with no strings attached and so forth. But it's in fallen man's nature, lost man's nature, unregenerate man's nature to receive, to take maybe, to steal what we want, to covet, to kill, to have, to amass. We amass things. We amass recognition. We amass wealth and power. We amass, uh, amass self-esteem to ourselves. James rebukes. Uh, by saying this, he goes, "Ye adult, you lust and have not. You kill and desire to have, and you cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you have not, because you ask not. You ask and receive not, because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your own lust." That's just man's nature apart from the Lord, and it can be in a Christian's nature if we're if we're not walking in the Spirit at that time and just walking in our flesh. But that's a, a pretty unpleasant picture you kill you lust you, you want to have and you don't obtain because you're not doing it by faith you're not seeking the lord by faith and i said it a moment ago if we will seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness said it in a prayer a moment ago go, those other things will be added unto us human nature we see it all the way back in the garden i'll read this from genesis 3 okay this picture what's happening in genesis 3 and when the women woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes. It's all the things that are just appealing to her that she wants. That's all it is. It's good for food. It looks good. And it's a tree to be desired to make one wise. She believes that because the serpent 
told her that, and she believed a lot. When she saw all this, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Now, that's not the blessed life. That was in disobedience to God. The Lord had already said, Adam, everything, everything that's in this garden is for you to enjoy. All the food, all the animals are just for your delight and pleasure. Name them what you want to name them, Adam. And he named the animals and so forth. But don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the midst of the garden, because the day you eat thereof, you're going to surely die. What do they do? They tried to, they, they went skirted around that. You usurped that. They usurped that. They rebelled against that. That's not the blessed life. They were already blessed in the paradise of God. And the Lord would come down and commune with them. But that's human nature. And that's our human nature as being descendants of Adam. I'll read this. When the Israelites went in and took Jericho, Joshua leading the, the battle, the first big battle, you know, the walls of Jericho fall. And there was sin in the camp afterwards because somebody had directly rebelled and disobeyed what God said. I'll just read this. His name was Achan. And Achan answered Joshua when the Lord says there's sin in the camp. This is why people died. They had, I think it was 14 or 17 soldiers died in the next little skirmish battle. They didn't need to die. And it was because this man sinned. Okay? Achan answered Joshua and said, I indeed have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus and thus have I done. When I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonian garment and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight, then I coveted them and took them. And behold, they're hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. So he's telling what he did, but he's telling his mindset the rest of the Israelites abstained from that. They could have taken gold and silver and Babylonian garments as well. They could have had spoil for themselves, but God gave them a supernatural victory. They were told beforehand, don't touch it. Don't touch it. There would be other battles where the Lord would allow them to take the spoils, the cattle and the sheep, and bring it home and enjoy it and you know, fill up your barnyard with the animals that you take. But this was not one of those times. He told them, don't specifically don't. Joshua, the commander of the people, stood up and said, don't. But this man, it was in his nature, and he gave into it. He coveted. He says, this is just, I want this for myself, and he hid it in his tent. That's not the blessed life, is it? That's not the blessed life. We quickly forget, just like this man Achan did, where does this, what is the source and the fount of blessing? The source of blessing for all creation and for all human beings created in the image of God, and for all Christians saved by the grace of God, the source and the fountainhead of the blessings is the Lord himself. So I want to honor him. I want to please him. I want to seek him. I want to walk with him because I'm in good communion and good standing with the Lord. And I hear his voice, my good shepherd, and I want to receive what he has for me. And I don't want these other things. And I don't want to tread where I shouldn't tread. And I don't want to take in a manner that I shouldn't take. If he says, rise and go possess the land, then I want to rise and go possess the land. For the Lord has given you the city, right? I've given it to you, Joshua. But the fountain of the blessing is the Lord. It's the Lord. It's more blessed to give than to receive. We give ourselves to God. Amen. We quickly forget that it's our Heavenly Father who loves us that will and does bless our lives. Don't forget it. When, you t when we take our eyes off the Lord and start looking around and thinking, well, man, 
look how they got where they are in life. Maybe somebody that doesn't know the Lord. How they got that promotion. How they got what, where they are in business or finances or popularity or whatever it may be. And the temptation can be to pursue, well, they can do it, I can do it. I got more talent than they do, more brains than they do, more, more strength than they do, whatever, better looking than they are. I can certainly do that. And yet we take our eyes off the Lord and forget He is the fountain of those blessings. He is the source of that. I want to walk with the Lord. I want what He, what he has for me. And I want to be satisfied with what He has for me. Amen? The Bible says, we all know the scripture in James 1.17, but every, for every good gift and every perfect gift, every good gift, every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variableness, neither shadow of turning. He's the same. He's no respecter of persons. He's not in a bad mood, then a good mood. He's not a giver one day and then stingy the next day. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. So you're not going to miss anything. I know I say it all the time. Forgive me. I say it all the time and I focus on the young people. You're not missing anything by not being in the world. That world has nothing to give to you. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Amen. And comes down from our Father in heaven. Amen. Uh, Mark 9, 41 says, For whosoever shall give you a cup of water to drink in my name, because you belong to Christ, verily I say unto you, he shall not lose his reward. Giving, giving is the key to receiving from the Lord. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Amen. Now, I'll be honest, it might be in your nature. It might be in my nature. I would say it's in all of us as human beings in our personal nature, not, not the new nature, okay, to be tight. And maybe the Lord's had to teach you over the years to be, uh, to withhold because we're afraid we're going to do without. We're afraid we're going to lack something. So we might be tight or stingy with our finances. We might be tight or stingy with our time and our giving ourselves and availing ourselves uh, to, to bless or help other people. We might guard very tightly our own, and the Lord wants us to be liberal, not liberal politically, okay, uh, liberals and politically, are they're, they're very generous with everybody else's money, we're talking about being liberal in the sense of giving of ourselves, giving of ourselves, amen, and, and it could be our nature to, to be tight and to withhold, but we need to go before the Lord, and you can almost feel that struggle sometimes, God's trying to, come on, let me pry that hand open. Give this. Give that cup of cold water. Give that track. Give that gospel to somebody. Give to that family that's in need financially. Give to that missionary. I want you to. I'm not telling you you take your money and you throw it up to the wind. I'm saying you're led by the Lord, but you've got a heart that's ready to give. Amen? And it is more blessed. That's a blessed life. I feel like over the, the years, and I'm not saying I've arrived anywhere, but I know the Lord's uh, had to work in my life, but very early in my Christian life, he began to work in my life on that very early on. And uh, my wife has helped me with that so much as well. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Her mom used to say you can't outgive God. I don't know if she invented that saying or not, but it's very true. You cannot outgive God. Don't hold on to it. 
give and it shall be given unto you. And it's so contrary to our nature. But I said it's not contrary to Christ's nature. That is his nature. This is why this life's more blessed. Amen. And so our great need and our great blessing that comes with that need being answered is the need is to have our hearts changed by the Holy Ghost. Our nature changed to be like Christ's nature. I'll just read this from Ephesians uh, chapter 4. But ye have not so learned Christ that you, that you put off concerning, he says, the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. That old nature that just wants to have and to get and to obtain and to amass and to accumulate and have people give to them, that is part of that old nature. And that old nature is corrupt according to deceitful lust. That is the nature of Eve in the garden and Adam in the garden. And he says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man. The new man is already right and holy and pure and complete. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Amen. That is our great need is for the spirit of almighty God to, to change us and give us a giving heart. I say it all the time, but I really believe that the heart of a man being changed by God is a, is a bigger miracle than the six days of creation or a bigger miracle than a worldwide flood or raising the dead or, or the walls of Jericho falling flat because men have a free will. And once since creation didn't have a free will, God said, let there be light, and there was light. But men creating the image of God, part of that image is that we have a will. We can believe or not believe. We can love or hate. We can, we can rebel or, or yield. We can come to Christ or run from Christ. Uh, so when a heart is really changed, and I used to be all my life afraid to give, stingy, cheap, tight, whatever we want to call it, uh, guarding because I was afraid if I gave, I wouldn't have. When that's changed, that's, that's a miracle. That, that's a miracle as big as anything else because I have a free will and I know my heart and I don't even know it as well as the Lord knows it. But for that heart to be changed to where I'm actually not only giving but rejoicing in giving and loving to give and who else can I give to, Lord, looking around, how else can I give myself to you and to your service? That's a miracle, isn't it? That's all like a whole new life. Well, that is a new life. It's a new life in Christ. That's a miracle. It's the miracle of the new birth. It's a miracle of sanctification and maturity and a working in, of the Lord in our lives to make us more like Jesus. And he is able to do it, and only he is able to do it. Take heed, the, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, that you do not your alms. That would be uh, giving even above the tithes, like benevolent giving to help someone in need. Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when, you doest thine, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee. Can you just imagine? I'm getting ready to give to these four people over here. And they sound the trumpets and everybody's watching and looking. Here, look. Oh, look, isn't that wonderful? What they gave to those four people. Don't people do that, though, in our day? 
I mean, people do it uh, for that purpose. Jesus said, take heed that you don't do it that way. Okay, don't sound the trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory of men. Verily, I say unto you, they have their reward. That was it. But I want the rewards from God. I'm learning and we're learning that I want the rewards that come from the Lord. Amen. That hypocritical life sounding the trumpets is not the blessed life. Jesus Christ wept over Jerusalem. We read it in Matthew 23. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou which stonest the prophets and killest those that come to you. How often I would have gathered you under my wings as a mother chicken, you know, under my arms as a mother chicken gathers her, her chickens under her wings, and you would not. Why is he weeping? Because they wouldn't receive from him what he had to give to them. He was their Savior. He was their Messiah. He was the one that could forgive their sins and give them the gift of eternity. He's actually weeping because he was not able to give to them what he wanted to give to them. That's a heart of giving. Amen. He wept over the city, the Bible says. And so this is not, this is not just a warm, fuzzy feeling. People get warm and fuzzy feelings at certain times of the year, like Christmas or whatever. And we get sentimental and we feel really sorry for somebody and and we're overwhelmed. I'm not saying that that's not a good thing. I'm saying there's something better than that. To really have a heart to give that's not based on a warm, fuzzy feeling, but it's based on the heart of God that we've been transformed. We see it. Our eyes are open. This is the blessed life. I'm called to give. I'm called to be a giver. I'm to give myself away to the Lord Jesus Christ and to his service. Jesus didn't just look at Jerusalem and say, oh, well, you're lost. You're lost. I came to you rejecting me. I'm still going to die and rise again and be back at the right hand of the Father in power. You're lost, Jerusalem. No, he wept over them because it was in his heart to give to them. Your king has come unto you, meek and lowly, right? I've come to you, your king, to be your king and savior and they wouldn't receive amen and so we need to have a deep heart beyond just a sentimental kind of feeling a deep heart's desire to give to give of ourselves for the glory of god to give to others in the name of the lord and and as one man of god put it there needs to be in our giving a self-forgetfulness and i like the way he put that a self-forgetfulness our self is always in the forefront of our minds and thoughts and every, everything we do. If I give, what's in it for me? There needs to be a self-forgetfulness. I would say that, that care goes a long way in all of Christianity, doesn't it? In all of our walk with the Lord. But a self-forgetfulness that gives simply because it's Christ-like. It just gives and gives away, expecting nothing in return. Oh, I've done this much or given this much. I'm expecting this much in return from others, even from God. Lord, I did this. You got to give this to me. That's the name it and claim it. The prosperity movement that's in the church and parts of the church. It's not of the Lord. It's not biblical. It's nowhere to be found. Okay. Uh, that God, I gave this. So you have to do this for me. He didn't have to do anything for us. He does because he's a good God. He does because he promises to. But there's not a magic formula in that sense. I gave $10, God's going to give me 100 I gave 1000 he's going to give me 10000 You sow to this ministry, and you're going to get this back. You know, it's just, to me, it's just a whole lifestyle of giving. Just give. Just give. 
don't, well, I gave, and it's been two weeks, and I haven't received a financial windfall from that, and I'm a Christian. Just give. Just give and give and give, and guess what? You're going to be blessed and blessed and blessed and blessed. Is it going to come later today? Is it going to come 10 years from now? It's going to come all through your life. It's going to come all through your life and my life. Amen. And so we don't, we not, we're not keeping a tally. You understand what I'm saying? We're not keeping a tally. I gave this, 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 and this. And last Christmas, I gave this, this, and this. I'm expecting this back. It doesn't work like that. Just give because it's in your heart to give. And you'll see the blessings of God upon your life. And guess what? Others are going to see that blessing as well. Amen. This, this honors the Lord. When we give like that, because our heart has been transformed and our minds have been renewed and we're truly a different person and we give in such a way, the world's filled with the Christian people through the ages that gave. Stephen gave. You know what I mean? When he pre gave the gospel and was stoned for it. Just giving and giving. God loves this. It honors him so much. And he's not going to forget. Don't worry about it. Okay, God, don't forget I gave all this. We don't have to remind him. Amen. I'll read this from Hebrews 6. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed toward his name. This is for Jesus' sake that we do it. In that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. It starts off by saying God's not unrighteous to forget that. He, he knows. He knows. I give a, a little illustration that I think uh, D.L. Moody shared. And there was a, a guy that was, was a Christian man who was very wealthy. And he was struggling with being not having a given heart. I've worked hard for this. I want everything I've got. I've, I've worked every bit up to, to have it. And it's mine. And that was kind of his attitude. And he had a real hard time giving but he was a believer, and he said that there was a, a poor man came to his house asking for some food. And the wealthy man had a smokehouse in the back, literally filled with, like, hams and turkeys and things like that. There were smoked and meat that was cured and so forth. And so this man realizes this God's dealing with them about this, and he's going to help the poor man. And as he goes, you, you wait right here. I'm going to get something for you. And as he turned to go to the smokehouse, he said the devil started whispering in his ear, just give him the littlest, scrawniest ham you got. Just give him that. That suffice. He's a beggar anyway. He'd be happy with anything. Give him the littlest, tiniest one you got. And, and the man kind of shouted back at the devil and said, no, if you're not careful, devil, I'm going to give him every ham in the, in the house. And he brought him back this big one and gave it to him. There's, there's something uh, liberating in being able to give like that and then trusting the Lord to provide. There's something very Christian and Christ-like in doing that. And he didn't have to sound the trumpets and say, look, I'm giving this poor man a ham. Bum, ba, da, da, and, and hands out the ham. It's just in his heart to give. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Look at verses 11 and 12. This is dealing with the heart of man. 2 Corinthians 6, 11 and 12. Paul says, O you Corinthians, our mouth is open unto you. Our heart is enlarged. You're not straightened or constrained, basically, in us. 
but you're straightening your own bowels or your own heart or affections. And, and what he's saying there is, you Corinthian people, we, that would have been Paul and the fellow ministers of the Lord, we're, our heart's not little and tight towards you. I'm, he said, I'm telling you, our heart is wide open towards you. We love you, we love you, we love you. We've given ourselves to you. We continue to give ourselves to you. We will give ourselves to you. He says, what well, the problem is, whatever problem they were dealing with, is they were straightened in their own hearts. They, they had a lack of love. They were tight in giving of themselves, maybe back to Paul and to the others. Straightened means to hem in closely to cramp or narrowness of room. And can I tell you, that's not a good condition for a heart, is it? To be cramped, narrowness of room, to hem in closely. That's not the condition of a Christian heart, for sure. And he's saying, and let's look at verse 13. Now for recompense in the same, I speak as unto my children, be ye also enlarged. And I believe that's just if the Lord was saying one thing to us this morning. We know it's more blessed to give than to receive. But it's not necessarily my heart to do that. The Lord is saying, be enlarged. Let, let me have your heart. I can enlarge it. I can take you and make you from being a receiver or a non-giver to a giver and to doing it with joy. And that's the blessed life. The one who gives and gives with joy. He's saying, be enlarged. Let your heart be enlarged, Paul was telling the believers at Corinth, like ours is towards you. Let it be enlarged. That means to widen, okay? And I'll bring this to a close. Our giving as believers is based upon our love for the Lord, a genuine desire to please Him. It's not, it's not to be seen of men. It's not for anything like that. It's, it's a love for God. And because this is of God to give in this way, and it's also a result of the new life we have in Christ and a result of all that we have been given by the Lord. Amen. I want to read one more scripture. Matthew chapter 10. Verses 7 and 8. So the Lord is getting ready to send his disciples out in his name to minister. And he says in verses 7 and 8 of Matthew 10, And as you go preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely you have received, freely give. Freely give. Everything, the power to preach the gospel and the gospel itself to preach, the, the power to cleanse lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, and many other things comes from the Lord. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. You didn't work for it. You didn't develop it. You didn't invent it. It's not self-generated. Uh, you have been given this. Now, you freely give what you have freely been, been given. We came to the Lord with nothing, y'all. Don't ever forget it. We came to the Lord with nothing but our own sin. And we leave full, don't we? <clears throat> <coughs> we we come <coughs> excuse me y'all <coughs> we 
came to the Lord with nothing, <clears throat> we leave full. <clears throat> he says to give freely, <clears throat> that means gratuitously, for naught, for nothing. We just give for nothing. We just give to give. We just give because Christ is a giver, and he has saved us and changed us. Amen? You know, look at the lives of people in the Bible. <clears throat> George Mueller gave himself to God, and he gave himself for the orphans in England, London in England. <clears throat> Amy Carmichael gave herself to the Lord, and she gave herself to the people of India. And we could go on and on. Hudson Taylor gave himself to the Lord and the people of inland China, China to reach with the gospel. Paul says to the, uh, the uh, I will gladly spend and be spent for you. Gladly. Isn't that something? I'll gladly, today we say, I'll, I'll gladly receive from you and take from you and give if you give back to me. But Paul says, I'll gladly spend and be spent for you. He even went on to say, nevertheless, the more I love, the less I be loved. But he was going to keep giving, amen? It's a heart, y'all. Be ye enlarged. Let your heart be enlarged, amen? And so that is the blessed life, amen? That is the blessed life that comes to the Lord and we receive, uh, gives as unto the Lord and we receive from the Lord, amen, all that he has for us in return. I'll close with this scripture, and D, you can come. Jesus answered and said, Verily or truly I say unto you, there is no man that hath left home, or brethren, or sisters, or fathers, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake and the gospels. But he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life that is that is the way of God's kingdom that is God's way amen that is God's way you're not going to cheat that you're not going to run around it you're not going to found a, 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 a different option there are takers and there are givers. In God's world, in his way, in his kingdom, he's telling us, give, give, okay? And it's given of ourselves, of our time. And he says, we do it. He'll bless us in this life and how much more in the life to come, amen? Henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which uh, Paul said, which was not for him only, but all those that love his appearing. And so I just thank God that uh, Christmas time, I just, maybe that's why the Lord gave me this sermon at this time. Maybe it's just because we need it in general, but either way, that we would learn the joy of giving. It's more blessed, more happy, more fortunate to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Amen. We need God to help us and change our hearts. These altars are open. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we come before you in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I'm first in line, and I want to thank you for the things you've taught me and helped me, the changes you've made in my own heart and life. I want to thank you for the changes you can make in the lives of your people, that only you can do this by the work of the Holy Ghost. And I want to pray that you would continue, Lord. We're still far 
no matter where we are, God, in the first grade or wherever we are in our spiritual journey and walk with you, God, there's more that you can certainly do in our hearts and lives and that you desire to do. I thank you that you love us and desire to work in our hearts. And I pray you would change our hearts and change the hearts of your people in such a way that not only do we give out of sheer obedience, but we give with the heart of giving. Freely we've received. Freely help us to give. This is not just about finances, Lord. It's about everything. Given our life, given our time, given our energy, given our help, given our love and affection and care and prayers for others, God. Help us to be a giving people, Lord, that we would give to you and we would give to others in your name. We give this gospel to lost men who are on their way to hell, God. And we would give the, the life of Christ and the love of God to our brothers and sisters in the Lord to bless them, God. And we know all the while that you're going to take care of us. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from you, Lord, our Father in heaven. We praise you and we thank you, Lord. Work in our lives by the power of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Yes.